Have you ever noticed? Have you ever written out some words and just kind of looked at them sometimes? Have you ever noticed that in the English language there's only one letter difference between the words good and God? Let me put that on your notes. There's a little blanks there on the introduction. I hope that you've got a, a note sheet. If not, feel free to jump up and grab one for you and, and your neighbor. Uh, there's only one letter difference between the words good and God. And, and likewise, likewise, there's only one letter difference between the words evil and devil. Only one letter difference between evil and devil. It's a reminder that everything in our lives has a source. The good that comes into our lives has a source. It's not randomly coming into our lives. It has a source. And the evil that comes into our lives also has a source. It's not randomly coming into our homes. It's not randomly coming into our marriage. It's not randomly coming into our family. It has a source. And in Ephesians 6, the Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Ephesus to remind them about the reality of the source, the reality of spiritual warfare. Paul's basic admonition in this text is that there is an invisible world that impacts the visible world that we can see. Let me say that again. His basic admonition in this text is that there is an invisible world that impacts the visible world that we live in. There's something that you can't see that impacts everything that you do see. All through the Gospels, God tells us about the power of that evil that is at work in our world. There's a place on your notes for this. I want to give you a few examples. In Luke chapter 10, for example, the enemy is called Satan. Write that, that in. In Luke chapter 10, the enemy is referred to as Satan. And that word, you might want to put in parentheses, means adversary. Adversary. Satan is the arch enemy of God and man. The arch enemy, the adversary of God and man. In Matthew chapter 4, the enemy is called the devil. And in parentheses, you might want to write in the word slanderer. That's what that word devil means. Slanderer. Satan has the idea, the intent of slandering you. Of attacking you. Then in John chapter 12, the enemy is called the prince of this world. The prince of this world. In other words, that shows us the parameters that he has. He's limited to this world. Now, he is very active in this world. But that's his parameters, and that's his, that's his field, if you will, on which he plays, this world. And nowhere in the Bible is there a more vivid warning about the reality of spiritual warfare than in Ephesians chapter 6. The information that Paul gives us, if you look at it and take it seriously, is, is disconcerting and also very revealing and perhaps, hopefully, very helpful. I mean, let's just read a couple more, a couple of verses again. And I want you to read it as if you've never heard this before. I want you to read it as if this is brand new information for you. Because most of us here on a Sunday night, we've read Ephesians chapter 6. For most of us, this is not new information. For most of us, very familiar with what the text and almost perhaps have it memorized. You've read it so often. Maybe you do have it memorized. But let's just read it, hopefully, with, with fresh eyes for a moment and, and try to understand what he says here. 
with fresh eyes, we read these words beginning in verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Okay, now, now stop right there. Okay, that sounds good, but why do we need to be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power? And again, we're reading it as if we've never seen this before. Verse 11, he tells us, put on the full armor of God. Okay? But why do we need to do that? And so we keep reading. So that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle, everybody say our struggle. You see, it's not just your neighbor's struggle, is it? It's not just the struggle that somebody else is having. It's our struggle. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. My friend, listen to this. If you believe this at all, if you believe this scripture at all, if from personal experience you can look at it and say, I know this to be true, I've experienced this, I, I know that this is right, I want to tell you something, then it is in, in one sense very, very, very disturbing. And it was intended to be that way. It was written to be disturbing. It was written in order to shock you. It was written in order to shake you it was written in order to warn you so that you'd stop trying to living on your stop trying to live on your own in your own power and your own flesh paul's trying to get your attention he's trying to get my attention paul is trying to shake us and warn us you can't do this by yourself so let's work our way through this text quickly tonight First of all, I want you to, number one on your notes, we have an undeniable enemy. I know that goes without saying, but that's where Paul starts, so we've got to start there too. We have an undeniable enemy. Let me tell you a few things about this enemy. First of all, put this on your notes, he is strong. So strong, so strong, that the only way that we can oppose him, the Bible says, is by putting on the armor of what? Now let that sink in for a moment. He's saying, listen, you can't do this in your flesh. You can't do this by yourself. This enemy is so strong, you need the, you need the armor of what? Of God. Let that sink in for a moment. Satan is so tough that we can only face him in the strength of God's might. So this enemy that we all have is strong. Number two. This enemy that we all have is subtle. We're going to come back and dig into this a little deeper, but this is kind of a summary right now. It's subtle. He, he says in verse 11, he says, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's, what's that next word? The devil's what? Schemes. We're going to come back and talk about that. But I just want you to see that this enemy that we have is subtle. He is sneaky. He is tricky. He never shows you the consequences. He offers you what looks like a good thing. He never shows you what the end result is. He just makes it look like it's attractive, as if you're going to be happy, as if this is going to make you popular, as if this is going to satisfy you. Everything looks interesting. He never shows you the death behind it. He's subtle. We're going to talk about schemes in a little bit. Third thing, again, this is just summary. 
The third way I would describe this enemy that we all have. First, that he's strong. Two, that he's subtle. Number three, he's sinister. Sinister. That's why he's called the devil. He's the slanderer. He's the accuser, if you will. Look at verse 16. Uh, skip down to verse 16. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Satan never tries, uh, never tires, I should say, of tempting you. He never tires of attacking God's people. His major objective is to render the Christian useless and worthless in the kingdom of God. Uh, I was reading uh, parts of a book from um, Jerry Rankin. He, he has literally written the book on spiritual warfare. He has uh, written this book that he has used this material to train our IMB missionaries. And before they go on the field, they, they learn about spiritual warfare. For many, many years, Jerry Rankin is retired now, but for many, many years, he used this material to teach our missionaries as they were going on to the field uh, about spiritual warfare. And he took that material and turned it into, into a, a wonderful book. And, and I was reading through some of that. And he made one statement. I thought, man, that, that, he just nailed it right there. He said, the ultimate purpose of spiritual warfare in your life is to rob God of the glory that is his. Satan is trying to rob God of your life glorifying the Lord. He's trying to keep your life from glorifying God. He's sinister. He's subtle. And he is strong. So how do we face an enemy like that? That's what we need to talk about tonight. How do we face an enemy like that? Well, we're going to look at it. I've given you... Uh, there's five points, but there's four things that we can do to face this enemy. Write this on your notes, and let's work our way through the text, beginning in verse 10. First of all, facing our enemy requires that we do not rely on human strength. It requires that we do not rely on mere human strength. Put this, this, this is not a fill-in-the-blank, but write this down on your notes somewhere. Supernatural power supernatural power that God provides, the supernatural power that God provides, the supernatural power that God provides shows us that we're in a supernatural battle. The supernatural power that God provides shows us or indicates that we are in a supernatural battle. You see, our problem is that we sometimes have forgotten that and we think somehow that we can deal with the devil. We think that somehow we can handle it. In fact, we think that, that somehow uh, we can overcome those personal struggles, those personal problems. But the Bible says, just look at it again, finally be strong. What's those next three, next three words? Uh, ladies and gentlemen, if you mark your Bible, you ought to underline those three words, in the Lord. He doesn't just say finally be strong. Come on now, be strong. You've got to be strong. Now, we used to tell our kids that, right? Be strong, be strong. That's not what Paul says. Paul doesn't say just be strong. He says be strong in the Lord. And, in case you missed it, he says, and in your mighty power. That's not what it says, is it? Paul says, and in his mighty power. Don't miss that. Human strength cannot win spiritual battles. Human strength cannot win spiritual battles. God's power 
is needed. In fact, I, I put a, a thing there on your notes. I, I, I love this. A there on the page two in the back of your notes. Every reference to our enemy and spiritual warfare in the Word of God is in the context of victory. Jay Rankin said that. Every reference to our enemy and spiritual warfare is in the, in the Word of God is in the context of victory. Finally, he says, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Whenever you read about spiritual warfare in the Bible, it's always... In the Bible, it's always in the context of victory. That victory is possible. That victory is available. That you have the resource that you need to win the battles you fight. Did you hear that? You've got the resources you need to win the battles you fight. Every, everywhere, I don't know how to say this anymore, any clearer. Everywhere in this book, when it talks about spiritual warfare, it's within the context of saying, but God has provided the victory. God has given you what you need in order to conquer and win this battle. Uh, that's why I put B on your notes as well. On page 2, the top of the page, it says, B, human effort is inadequate, but God's power is invi invincible. Human effort is inadequate, but God's power is invincible. Which brings us to number three. Facing our enemy requires that we do not underestimate him. This is where we're going to dig in for a little bit. Beginning in verse 11. Here's what Paul says. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. There's a couple of things I want you to notice in that verse. There's a couple of things that, that grabbed my attention. I hope has grabbed yours too when you read that. The first thing I want you to notice is that we're instructed to put on the whole armor of God. Now, if you'll come back next Sunday night, I, I think I'm teaching next Sunday night. I haven't looked at the count. I'm pretty sure I'm, I'm here next Sunday night, right? I think I'm teaching. If you'll come back, just come back anyway, all right? If you'll come back next Sunday night, I believe it is, I'm going to be teaching about the armor of God, the whole armor of God, and what that is. It's in this text. Uh, but just notice right now that he says in verse 11, put on the full armor of God. The whole armor of God. It was as if Paul was saying, do not underestimate the power or the tenacity or the wisdom of your enemy. Uh, this, your enemy is so strong. Your enemy is so Sinister. Your enemy is so subtle that you need the whole armor of God. You need the full armor of God, not just some of the armor of God. You don't stand a chance unless you have the whole armor of God. Do you understand what I'm saying? Do you see what he's saying here? When temptations comes our way, we often think we can outsmart the devil. I can play with this and not get burned. I can go this far and it'll be okay. And you always will lose when you underestimate the enemy. Always will lose. And the reason is, he tells us even right there in verse 11, he says, put on the full armor of God, not part of it, but all of it. Put on the full armor of God so that, here's the reason, so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. 
I, I think in another translation, maybe King James, it says the devil's wiles. Is that in the King James? Somebody help me. Is that King James? Yeah, the wiles of the devil. Uh, let's do a little study right, right quickly. You've got your Bibles. Go over to the left to 2 Corinthians chapter 2. 2 Corinthians chapter 2. Chapter 2, verse 10 and 11, if you're just writing down notes. First, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 10 and 11. He says, if you forgive anyone, I also forgive him. And what I have forgiven, if there is anything to forgive, I have forgiven in the sight of Christ for your sake, in order that Satan might not outwit us, for we are not unaware of his schemes. Paul was writing within the context of broken relationships was writing within the context of where one person has something against another person perhaps they were trying to justify it perhaps they were trying to to ignore the broken relationship perhaps they were trying to act like well they're in the wrong i'm in the right and i don't care what they think and i don't care what they say and and there's anger there's a broken relationship there and paul said whoa 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 Don't let Satan outwit you. Make sure you are aware of his schemes in that broken relationship. Go over to the right, 1 Timothy chapter 3. You can write this reference down as well. 1 Timothy chapter 3 verse 7. In this text, Paul is talking about overseers and deacons and uh, what needs to be in their life in order to qualify them as as an overseer and later, beginning in verse 8, as a deacon. And he says about the overseers, the pastors, if you will, verse 7, he must also have a good reputation with outsiders so that he will not fall into disgrace and into what? The devil's trap. The devil's trap because... He would like nothing better than to trap us. Uh, go over one book, Second Timothy chapter 2, verse 24 through 26. Second Timothy chapter 2, verse 24 through 26. It says in verse 24, And the Lord's servant must not quarrel. Instead, he must be kind to everyone, able to teach, not resentful, Those who oppose him, he must gently instruct in hope that God will grant them repentance, leading them to a knowledge of the truth, and that they will come to their senses and escape from the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. that amazing? He didn't just attack them. He says, but Satan has actually taken them captive to do his will. Some of you perhaps have underestimated the enemy in your life. You've underestimated what he's done. The word schemes indicates that the devil has a plan. The devil has a plan and a strategy to bring you down. The devil has a plan and a strategy for your mind. 
He has a plan. He has a strategy for your marriage. He has a plan and a strategy against your family. He has a plan and a strategy in, in the relationships that you have. He has a plan and a strategy for our church. I want to I promise you something. Just like God has a, has a plan for our church, the devil has a plan for our church as well. And he has schemes. And his scheme is simply this. Take what's wrong and make it seem right. That's always his scheme. I learned this from Andy Stanley, so let me give him credit. He, he said, here's the devil's scheme. Take what's wrong and make it seem right. That anger, that resentment that you, perhaps you have in that broken relationship, take what's wrong and make it seem right. The perversion going on in Houston, Texas right now, take what's wrong and make it seem right. All you have to do is look back in your own life and you'll probably see the schemes of the devil. You, you can look back in your own life. You can look back in your own mind to those times when, when Satan took what was wrong and he made it seem right. We look back now and we say, have you ever done this? Have you looked back and said, man, how could I have been so stupid? How, how could I have done that? How did I ever think that was okay? It's the devil's schemes. See, he is strong and he is sinister, but he is also subtle. So subtle that you do not recognize it's him. And he takes what's wrong, what is so obvious wrong, and make it seem so right at the moment. That's why so many people get into affairs. Listen, they, they grew up knowing it was wrong. They grew up knowing you shouldn't be in bed with another man's wife. That They know what the Bible says. They've been in church all their life. They know it's wrong. But because the devil schemes and subtle and sinister, he just makes it seem so right in that moment. It, it amazes me sometimes when we say, how, how could I be so, so deceived? Why in the world would I think that was okay? Why in the world would I think it was okay to take that money? Why in the world would I think it was okay to have a relationship with her? Why, why in the world would I think it was okay? Why could I not see that I was doing more than just relaxing? Why could I not see that that was taking a hold in my life? The devil schemes. Satan takes what's wrong and he makes it seem and feel right. <clears throat> Some of you don't have to look back in ancient history to remember that, though. Some of you are very uncomfortable right here tonight because you're in the middle of it right now. What's wrong with me is what you're asking. What's wrong with me? Why am I like this? Why am I struggling with this? Why can't I give this up? Why can't I stop this? There is a scheme. There is a plan. 
There is a deception, a distortion of the truth that's just enough to get us in trouble, but not enough to scare us away. I hope you heard that. There is, an, there is a distortion of the truth that's just enough to get us in trouble, but not enough to scare us away. See, when, when you begin to factor that into your life, when I begin to factor that into my life, I'm hoping and I'm praying that we have an aha moment. I'm hoping and I'm praying that, that there's going to be that moment when, when we say, This is bigger than me. I'm hoping there's that moment in your life where you say there is an invisible threat I have not taken into consideration. Listen to what else he says. This is so helpful if you're in the middle of a, of a marriage issue, if you're in the middle of a parent-child situation, if you're in the middle of a bad business relationship, if you're in the middle of some kind of other broken relationship. Uh, listen to this next verse. Look, listen to what he says. Go, go back to Ephesians uh, chapter 6, verse 12. And listen to what he says next. He says, For our struggle, and I ask you to set together our struggle, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against the authorities and against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. To which some of you want to say, listen, I know what you mean by, I know what it means, but I can tell you, I've got a name I can put on my struggle. He is flesh and blood. She is flesh and blood. And this struggle that I have, I want to punch his lights out because I've got a name on this struggle. I can tell you where my struggle lives. And I see this struggle very I mean, I've got a, this is flesh and blood. And he gets my blood boiling, right? She gets my blood boiling. I mean, this is my struggle. And Paul says, just look behind it. Just look behind it. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood. But, so much bigger than that. But against the rulers and against authorities and against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. We face an invisible threat that is very, very powerful. Which brings us to the next point on the outline. Facing our enemy requires, number four, facing our enemy requires that we do not misunderstand the nature of the battle. We do not misunderstand the nature of the battle. I want you to notice a key word in verse 12. What's the, if you, at least in the NIV, what's the third word, third word in verse 12? Struggle. Let me tell you a little bit about that word because it's such a significant word. Uh, the Greek word literally means to hurl or to swing. The word was often used to describe hand-to-hand -hand combat. I don't know when the last, I don't want to know. I, 
I was going to say, I don't know when the last time you were in a hand-to-hand fight with somebody, but I, I don't want to know. Let's, let's just pretend that didn't. I, I don't know when the last time was when you, when you decked somebody, but whenever that was, when you were in that hand-to-hand combat, I want to tell you something. Listen, you're close to them, right? When you're fighting with your fist, you're not fighting from a distance. When you're fighting with your fist, you're fighting up close. It's the same word that Paul uses here. Do not misunderstand the nature of the battle. These are not theoretical battles we are talking about. These are not imaginary struggles on spiritual battlefields. We struggle face to face, hand to hand, with foes that are evil and supernatural. And until you understand that, you'll never understand why you need the armor of God. Until you understand how close the enemy is, until you understand that that word struggle has the, the word picture of you're in hand-to-hand combat with him, that means, I'm going to tell you something, that means he is where you are. I don't know about you, but that's a little bit disconcerting. That's a little bit scary. That's a little bit disturbing. But maybe it's a little bit helpful too. Because Paul was trying to help these people understand, you need God's armor. Do you know why you need God's armor? You need God's armor because the devil is not very far. This is a struggle you're going to lose unless you're relying on God. Maybe that's something we need to learn to factor into the struggles that we face every day and the temptations we deal with. Maybe it's something we need to factor into our struggles at home. Maybe it's something we need to learn to factor into our struggle with that prodigal son or daughter. Maybe we need to factor it into the struggles we have with that guy at work who just gets on our nerves and and one of us is going to get fired pretty soon. Maybe we need to factor it in to those moments when we are wrestling with a temptation and it could be something that we regret for the rest of our lives. There's an invisible world that impacts your visible world. There's an invisible world that impacts your visible world. There's something you can't see that impacts everything you do see. And that something you can't see is subtle and sinister. And he's intent on destroying you. He's intent on altering your future. That's why human effort is inadequate. But God's power is invincible. You say, Pastor Keith, there's just one thing. There's just one thing that I'm a little bit confused about. I I thought once I got saved, I got over all this. You know, I thought once I got saved, I got behind all of this. You know, I got all that stuff. I I got the devil behind me because now I got Jesus in my heart. No, you got the devil on your path now. You're a target now. You were on his side before. 
But now, you're on God's side. So guess what? You just became a target. He knows. Listen to this. He knows he cannot bring God down, but he sure is going to try to bring you down. He can't bring God down, but he can bring God's children down. He can't rob God of the glory that is due him unless he robs it from you. So he's after you. And he's after me. Which brings us to number four. Or, or what is it? Five. Last one. Facing the enemy requires that we prepare in advance for days of evil. Verse 13. I hope that you caught this when we were reading the verse earlier. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you've done everything, to stand. He said, put on the full armor of God. Listen to this. Put on the full armor of God. And he's implying, do it now. Because you can't, it's too late to do it later. Put on the full armor of God before you get into the fight. You don't say to the devil, oh, oh time out, time out, time, 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 time out. Let me go get the armor of God. You don't have that opportunity. Now, next week we'll talk about uh, what the armor of God is. But here's what I, just, what I want you to understand. Put on the, the armor in advance so that you'll be ready for the evil day when it comes. That's what he's saying in this verse. Put on the armor of God in advance. You'll be ready when the day of evil comes. The evil day refers to those occasions of intensive attack. Listen to this. The evil day that he's referring to there are those times of, those occasions of intensive attacks. Those times when the temptation to yield is very strong and we find ourselves under extraordinary attack. Here's the crazy thing. Listen to this. See if you agree with this and tell me why. I haven't let you do any talking tonight, so I'm going to let you do some talking. Is it always evident that we are under extraordinary attack? Why is it not evident always? He's subtle, he's sinister, right? Answer this question for me. Is it always evident that the intensive attack we are under is from the enemy? Again, he's subtle, he's sinister. Here's what, we, what I, I want you to understand. When you and I are under an intensive attack, sometimes it might look very, very appealing. Doesn't look like the devil, doesn't sound like the devil, doesn't seem like the devil. Does that make sense? So what we're talking about, when the day of evil comes, that's what he says in verse 13. So when the day of evil comes, here's what I want you to understand. When the day of evil comes, it doesn't always look so evil. Does that make sense? When the day of evil comes, it doesn't always look so evil. Many times it looks appealing. Many times it'll make sense to us. Many times it will almost seem logical. That's why we've got to put on the full armor of God before the day of evil comes. You've got to prepare in advance. 
because there are awful days of attack. Now, let me also say that sometimes it's very obvious when you're under attack. There's both sides of that spectrum. So sometimes it's very obvious that Satan is targeting you. Very obvious. You don't need a PhD in theology to discover you're under spiritual attack. Those days are days of evil as well. Verse 13, Therefore put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, because it's coming, you may be able to stand your ground and after you've done everything to stand. I think, of course, the most beautiful picture of this is the Lord Jesus himself in Matthew chapter 4 when he was under temptation from Satan. How long was he tempted? How long was Jesus tempted in the desert? How long? Forty days. Then what happened? Then the devil left, didn't he? For a season. Then he left for a season. You see, not every day is the same. Not every day is a day of attack. There are intensive seasons, intensive moments, intensive days. When Satan is present and he is subtle and sinister and trying to destroy you. And then there are days when he's gone. There are days that are easy. There are days in which there are no attacks. And there are no worries. And life is good. And be very careful. Because it is in those days. When something appealing. Logical. Might come your way. And you do not see the evil behind it again I'm not trying to I'm not trying to scare you or any of us I'm trying to warn us all I'm going to close with this verse verse 13 again therefore put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes you may be able to stand your ground and after you've done everything to stand That's what you want, isn't it? You want to be able to stand strong. I hope you'll come back next Sunday night, maybe bring somebody with you, and we'll look at the armor that God has given us to enable us to stand strong. All right, let's just close in prayer, praying once again for our brothers and sisters in Houston. Would you join me as we pray? God, I pray, just as we've read this word, that our brothers and sisters in Houston will stand strong. I know that they already have. I pray that you'll enable them to continue to stand strong. And Lord, I'm sure that the attack against them will grow. It will increase. It will become more intense. The spiritual warfare that they will encounter will be hard to deal with impossible to overcome except by your power your strength and your armor so i pray protection over those people assembled i pray protection over those pastors and their families i pray to father that by your spirit you would enable them to stand strong against the enemy and i pray that in the strong name of jesus and all god's people said Amen.